minute. Yeah, you know, life life comes at you fast. Yeah, especially when the holidays come around. I think, and I said this in the uh, in the one little game diary I recorded a couple weeks ago, which I haven't done another one with because my weekends have been bogarted by family activity. But yeah, we're probably we're probably just in a spot now where we just want to record something when something happens, and boy, has stuff happened. Yeah, a lot. Well, okay, I don't want to I don't want to say a lot. Stuff has happened. You're right. Stuff has happened, and and even and even a lot of stuff that we're not really gonna talk about probably too in depth but you know as i've always said this podcast is a vanity project first and a source of information second which is why (laughs) jeff keely's the game awards have dropped their nominees and even though i'm i'm not gonna play like a lot of the games that are nominated because who has the time and this has been a a truly epic year in gaming i would say but we gotta talk about it i want to talk about some nominees and we call a few shots and then and then hayden the uh the 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 decades coming finale <laughs> of a generation defining anime has finally aired and 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 you at least have some thoughts on it to share. I do. I do. I have thoughts and reflections. So so gaming first, we're going to we're going to we're going to trundle our way through the nominees for Jeff Keighley's The Game Awards and we'll, and we'll add some anime for whatever time we have left. Well, hold on. Um, hold on. Hold on. Are they actually okay. called Jeff Keeley's The Game Awards? <laughs> no. Okay. No, that's, okay. that's, that's all I me. was like, wait, holy shit. I knew it was The Game Awards, and I know it's all him, but damn. I didn't know he put his name on it. <laughs> no, I, I love... Let me get one thing straight. I actually adore jeff Keeley. oh yeah i do i enjoy the man i like his presence and i do feel that he cares for the things that he is doing but how much he is at the forefront and just the way that he is it is hilarious that he is here (laughs) that's very true (laughs) especially like his ongoing friendship with hideo kojima and the now infamous bill clinton kid that everyone's looking out for every time jeff gets on stage (laughs) yeah that guy's a troll the man has become the voice of gaming in probably ways that he didn't expect to be. Oh, I don't know. I think he he was a man on a mission. He this is what he wanted. Oh, yeah. No, I think definitely he wanted to get to the point that he is. But I think there's there's been some some uh, some stumbles along the way. Uh, yes. And stumbles that didn't even hinder the progress. It just, you know, he took a detour. Yes, very much so. so. So as much as I will always dunk on Jeff Keighley because of the way that he is, I, I do I do actually enjoy the Game Awards whenever it comes around, and I'm eagerly anticipating the show. When is it? Uh, it's in December. I'm on the website. Let's see. December 7th it is. Ah, see, I thought it was like the 6th, so I was pretty close. Yeah, it's always I – think, I think it's always on a Thursday, weirdly. I think you're right. December 7th is a Thursday this year, and, and Thursday feels like the Game Awards day. Hell yeah. Um, so, you know, we talked about this just a few episodes ago. Uh, been a crazy year for not just AAA games, but also some hot indie games. And so we're going to we're going to go down most of the nominees, probably. And I'm going to call some shots. I'm not going to I'm not going to write these down, but I, I, I am going to make some predictions in an official capacity at a later point. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to go over what's going on. So let's just start with game of the year. Um, and that'll, you know, game of the year is probably going to inform a lot of the categories later just because of the <sighs> slate that we have. Yeah. Um, this is by far a two, a two game race and it's like not even close. Although I really, I don't know. I'm curious your thoughts. Cause you've actually played both of these. 
and having not played Zelda, I don't know, but I just feel like the momentum. I mean, Baldur's Gate three came in and was like, "Hey, we're great," but I, I just feel like I've heard seen enough people say that like Tears of the Kingdom was just so freaking good that I, I don't know how that does not win. Mm-hmm. So let's start. The nominees are, and I guess this is in alphabetical order. We got Alan Wake two. Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, the remake, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now, I will say out the gate, I do think that all of these games, except for maybe the Resident Evil 4 remake, have a reason to be here, to be nominated, but you're right. There really is only two answers, and having played both games, I genuinely don't know who it's going to go to. Now, we will definitely preface this by the only reason I'm saying it's only a two-game race is because I know enough about Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Mario to say that. The wild card could actually be Alan Wake 2. Like, neither of us have played it, and who knows? It could be fucking phenomenal. But having myself only played Baldur's Gate 3 on this list and knowing enough about Tears of the Kingdom... I would be surprised if Alan Wake, like Alan Wake 2 is the dark horse amongst the other two, I think. Yeah. No, I think, you know, just like any other more high profile awards show like the Oscars, momentum definitely plays a part. Campaigning definitely plays a part. And Alan Wake 2, you know, it's just it's not in everyone's minds the same way that Baldur's Gate has been or The Legend of Zelda always has been. Yeah. Yeah. And Baldur's Gate 3 and Zelda both have, like, honestly incredible scale going for them. Unprecedented scale. And Baldur's Gate in even more of, like, a, uh, like, more of a simulation kind of way, even, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's an immersive sim as much as it's a computer RPG. Um, and so you, you haven't played Tears of the Kingdom at all? I haven't played uh, the first one. <laughs> you haven't played Breath of the Wild. But you do like Zelda. Yeah, I just don't play the games. Okay. Um, I played like two of them. I have not finished Baldur's Gate 3 still. I have not touched Act 3. Um, And the the way that Baldur's Gate sticks its landing might change my opinion of it. But I do kind of think it's going to go to Zelda. I think... I think it's it's like it's like Pixar being nominated for best animated feature. It kind of doesn't matter what else has shown up. It's going to go to Nintendo. Yeah. And I will say that, like, as much as I have enjoyed Baldur's Gate 3 and I think that where I am at currently, it is a masterpiece and it is an achievement in video game production. And that itself was a big conversation point when it came out. Nothing in Baldur's Gate 3 has really matched the highs that Tears of the Kingdom gave me. And I'm going to I'm going to spoil it a little bit. <gasps> Tears of the Kingdom. But I think at this point, like, you know, we're almost a year on. It's probably safe. I think everyone knows this thing I'm about to talk about. But there was a moment like the the first like four hours of the game and like all the promotional material they showed you spend in like the sky islands of tears of the kingdom and and that was like the big thing it's all over the promotional material it's all the cover of the game it's link in the sky islands it's very skyward sword-esque so you always knew you were going to have the entire map of hyrule from breath of the wild to play around in and then on top of that literally the sky islands but you get through the tutorial which takes place on the biggest sky island 
And then you keep doing more tutorial stuff until eventually the game tells you, hey, go check out this hole in the ground. And you dive into that hole in the ground and you discover that there is yet an entire third layer exactly as big as ground level Hyrule. And that is way more content than the Sky Islands was ever going to be. And like the fact that they kept that under wraps, the fact that I was able to virginally experience that discovery, that's like that is a top five gaming moment for me, period. Damn, you were just like out here in Aladdin, like a whole new world. And I mean, yeah, literally shock face. And and like the for like even the first like the next 10 times that I dove into the underground as you are like lighting up because it's very dark down there as you're lighting things up, whenever that musical sting kicks in, when you finally like load into the underground area, just like being able to look around and see everything that's there, it was awe-inspiring almost every time. It took a long time for that feeling to go away, and that is a very unique and powerful thing to pull off in a video game, even for Nintendo. Yeah, no, And the I fact agree. that I was able to experience that so close to something like Elden Ring, I think also says something crazy about the moment we're in for games right now. But, yeah. Long story short, I think it's going to Tears of the Kingdom for those reasons. I I just don't think like like I said, nothing else even holds a candle except for maybe Baldur's Gate 3. Not to say Spider-Man 2 is not great. Not to say I'm not having a great time with Mario Wonder. It's just it's not a competition. Yeah, I that's having played uh, very few of these games. I that's also very similar to how I feel. So I I I would be. I don't even know if like if Baldur's Gate 3 won, I'd still probably be like, mm, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that just it feels like it's been like Tears of the Kingdom in the lead for yeah. a while. Now, uh, hopefully I'm not going to go as long winded on the other categories, because like I said, we're going to see a lot of repeats now. So but I do want to talk about I think for best game direction, I think I would almost want to see that go to Baldur's Gate 3. Because of the unique things they were able to pull off with the scale and the immersion as a player for that and and bringing in essentially the general populace into what was otherwise a pretty niche gaming genre. Yeah, I agree, because I I mean, I I, I look at it more from, OK. Is Zelda that different? That, is it that different than any other like than uh, what was the last? Breath one? Of the Why Wild. can't I remember what it's called? Uh, is it that different from a gameplay wise than Breath of the Wild minus right. the building? And like, you know, I, I would not be mad to see a go to Tears of the Kingdom because in a lot of ways, like I, I do think you're right. I'm not saying this to detract from that, but in a lot of ways, Tears of the Kingdom does kind of make Breath of the Wild look like a tech demo. <laughs> But it is built on the back of Breath of the Wild and Baldur's Gate 3, by comparison, feels very fresh because it's the first time that like that series has really been thrust into the public eye. And a lot of people are able to experience it. See, I think I I think Alan Wake 2 might actually have a shot in this category, not having played it, just reading what they on the website have it as awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. And I'm I'm being a bit of a stickler on this but like Baldur's Gate 3 is literally just mm-hmm. D&D that they refined to make it more palatable to a video game That's setting fair. so and I this is not to say that I I mean I love it 
But I just feel like if if this was not going to win, it would be like, oh, something that's done in Alan Wake 2 is fucking mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> Again, haven't played it. Kind of. I might actually play it before the Game Awards because I'm getting like really <laughs> antsy to try it. But that or even honestly, I was even thinking Mario Super Mario just because they always bring in some innovative bullshit into the Mario formula that works. Yeah. <laughs> the sequels, I just don't think have a shot like Spider-Man 2 and Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. I just it's really hard, for, at least in my opinion, for a sequel to win this type yeah, and, of And it's award. for that reason that it, initially I kind of wrote off Mario Wonder as a game direction thing, because at the end of the day, it is still just kind of 2D Mario. It's what Nintendo has always done. And it feels a little weird to have something like that, which in my mind has been tainted by the new Super Mario Brothers series. That was a, in my opinion, a soulless cash grab on the genre. But you're right. Mario Wonder does bring a lot of stuff to the franchise purposefully that has not been seen before that is with intent very fucking weird for a mario game and so it's definitely earned its spot (laughs) there yeah i i i would definitely be leaning baldur's gate 3 uh on that one now uh here's the first one where we probably don't really have a good opinion to give but i do want to still touch on it because alan wake 2 is nominated but we got best narrative um, and for that, it's like it's all RPGs plus Alan Wake 2. <laughs> is is Spider-Man 2 considered an RPG? So. I mean, an action, an yeah, action I mean, RPG in, in whatever capacity you consider an Assassin's Creed game an RPG. If you do. I, I don't know what I, I don't know what category I put those games. So it's in. Alan Wake, Baldur's Gate, uh, Cyberpunk, Phantom Liberty, which I would not really be happy with seeing here. Um, Final Fantasy 16, which I'm probably not going to play. And then uh, Spider-Man 2, which if Spider-Man 2 hits the same high as a Spider-Man hit for me. Hell yeah. But I don't know when I'm going to play that game. I was I think for the pedigree, I'd be pretty happy with seeing Alan Wake 2 take this. Yeah. Because I, I want to assume that the that remedy, you know, uh, having played Control and hearing all the good things about Alan Wake 2, I want to believe that Alan Wake 2 has a very good story. And is at least like a very adept at, uh, you know, doing what it's wanting to accomplish with its like mixed reality, like authorship sort of yeah. uh, meta if thing. If it picks up where the first game left off from a narrative standpoint, then yeah, I... I I feel like this is the favorite, but man, Baldur's Gate 3 is right there behind it. Because although although it's just kind of a pretty bog standard type of story, in my opinion, from a D&D perspective, it's still done super well. And so and all the side quests that and how they intermingle into the overarching narrative, I think, make it a the really big variables, contender. The amount of variables. Yeah. The amount of twisting narratives. The different dialogue options you can have, the characters you can miss, the characters you don't even know could be characters. It is an accomplishment in its own yeah. right. I, I kind of feel Baldur's Gate is just going to have the momentum of, like we said previously, just way more people played it and know about it than probably Alan Wake 2. But you're right. I, I think in this one, it's definitely between those two. All right. Now for these, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm just going to run down these next three kind of all together, because this is the moment where I'm going to start banging the drum. OK, this is the moment where where fandom is going to override logic. And I got to scream to the heavens about something like that. Hi-Fi Rush is going to win all three of these. Best art direction. Oh, yeah. 
best score in music, best audio design, it's gotta go to the game about music. The cel-shaded 3D beat-em-up platformer about music where you were beating up robots literally to the rhythm of the game, Hayden? It's gotta be Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, I, the one I'm... I, I, I agree 100% on art direction and score music. Audio design is always a fucking weird award no matter what <laughs> award category like award show or media it is for because illustrated by the fact that the dead space remake is nominated for audio design or resident evil 4 uh yeah those two are weird to me i can't understand actually honestly alan wake 2 being on there might be the most surprising one to me because like dead space at least you're gonna have like weapon design or weapon audio sounds and shit like that mm-hmm. uh but yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it'll probably go to Hi-Fi Rush for at like is it at least art and score, maybe audio as well. Yeah. Uh, if anything else, like I think um the one that it could lose for me, ironically, is best score and music. Uh because well if it goes big set pieces, actually, it could be a Final Fantasy or a, a Legend of Zelda. I take that back actually. I'm gonna change that to art direction because it it does look very cool and I am in love with the art style, but it is still just cell shaded. Um, and at least like Lies of P is doing something interesting with its visual style. Um, and, but like with score and music, you know, they got licensed tracks for Hi-Fi Rush to play against the bosses and then even had like streamer friendly alternatives that they whipped up. Plus the, uh, you know, the music per level is itself like written to be played like every every single track in the game is meant to be played to the game because of the way the gameplay is and then in that way like for hi-fi rush audio design is the exact same thing as game design and i think that's very cool yeah those three those three yeah those will be interesting interesting okay now we're probably gonna we're probably gonna start skipping around a little bit do you have any do you have any uh big thoughts on best performance um, no, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I, I genuinely, okay. that genuinely have no idea on that one. Cause I think most of those are great. The, I don't think Spider-Man, the guy for Spider-Man two has a shot or really final fantasy. So I, but all the other four. So the, uh, the guy from star Wars, Jedi survivors, interest Alba from, Phantom Liberty, the woman from Alan Wake 2, and the guy who I believe is a Starion in Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, any of those four could win it, and mm. I would be I would be satisfied with that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skip innovation and accessibility. I'm gonna skip games for impact. Well, you say uh, that, sorry. but like I think Hi-Fi Rush is going to win that one because I'm pretty sure there he did some wild shit in that game to make it incredibly accessible to anybody. <laughs> Oh, okay. I would be interested to hear about that because I actually don't know anything about that. If I'm right, I thought when that game came out, I saw a brief video about all the accessibility options in that game. I could be wrong, but if it's what I think it is, that that one could win pretty easily. But again, it's... I'm going off memory and <laughs> who knows. <laughs> okay, so uh, best ongoing game. Uh, mostly MMOs, Genshin, Fortnite, Final Fantasy 14, Apex Legends, and then Cyberpunk 2077, which I have to imagine is only here because of the 2.0 update and Phantom Liberty. Yeah, that's kind of weird. 
God, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That's kind of weird that that one's on here. Now, granted, they've been having smaller updates here and there, but I don't think any of those smaller updates would give it enough claim to be here if they did not release a massive overhaul right before the Game Awards. Yeah. This one's generally almost always Final Fantasy XIV or Genshin Impact, and I think Genshin Impact had a pretty big year, so I would lean towards Genshin for this one. Do you know enough about where Apex is or where it's been nope. to describe why it is here? Because <laughs> it, it's probably one of the more uh, supported single uh, Battle Royale games. Because, like, the other ones have changed so much, you know. For, like, Fortnite 2 is similar. But, you know, like, uh, Warzone's never on here because it always changes. And it goes between devs. But it's still pretty popular. Um, I was, I, who was, I was talking to Gunner. About like how many uh, how many legends are there now? Because there's like th- three or four new ones since I've last played. And I'm like, oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna skip over that one. I don't even I don't have a horse in that race. Um, but I got I got beef on this next yeah. one. Our next category is best community support, which based on the title, I actually misunderstood what this category was initially. So I'm going to read the description. It is recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency and responsiveness, inclusive of social media activity and game updates slash patches. Now, Hayden, based on that description... Can you tell me why Destiny 2 is here? No, because they've never had very good social media, except for the fact they have consistent patches. <laughs> Can you tell me why, upon laying off 8% of its total staff, uh, after years of a, frankly, very fucking weird uh, community outreach team, as far as their community managers, can you explain why, after delaying the finale of their 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 whole 10 year journey for for like half a year. Can you tell me why Destiny 2 is here? Can you tell me why we're still talking about Bungie? No, <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> it makes me mad. But as as a former guy who really liked Destiny, it makes me mad. Also, the cover art for this game looks like shitty Halo Infinite. Like that looks like fucking, shitty infinite armor. Fucking Mega Man in the top left corner. Mega Man, Mega Mind. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, oh, God. But don't worry, because it has absolutely no shot at winning, because this one also almost always goes to Final Fantasy fourteen. But I think No Man's Sky is up there pretty high, too. It's interesting Baldur's Gate's here, because all they really did was have... I mean, they were very responsive with their patches and uh, had com- good community feedback. But, I mean, they put out four patches since the game's come out, and that's, like, kind of it. So, I don't know. It seems kind of yeah, if- weird. If if Larian had the mod tools rolled out by now, I would probably want them to win this award more. But I agree. I think probably things like Final Fantasy 14 and No Man's Sky have more claim to this award. I mean, at this point, even I would say, you know, I, I dunked on him a little bit for best ongoing. But I think for this category, Cyberpunk 2077 probably still has a better shot than Baldur's Gate here. <sighs> yeah, I think so. I, I love I after saying after what both of us have said, I'm still kind of like if if Baldur's Gate three won this award, I wouldn't be surprised. Just because I think yeah. I think this is gonna be a hype train show, and it's gonna be a few. It's what usually happens, but you always have the Final Fantasy fourteen showing up and the like ongoing and community support. So it'll be interesting to see yeah, how that shakes out. It makes sense that an MMO like Final Fantasy fourteen 
is nominated all the time for this. I, I think I think it's a little weird that No Man's Sky is still showing up in these categories. That game has never stopped being worked on. Yeah, that is true. And I guess it's got MMO elements, but it's not. Yeah. But now we're moving on. We got indie games. We got the categories after my own heart. And uh, man, let me tell you, good good year for AAA. Good fucking year for indies. Um, so we got two categories. We got best indie and best debut indie. So for best indie, we've got Cocoon, Dave the Diver, Dredge, Sea of Stars, and Viewfinder. Hey, do you know anything about any of these games? I know Dredge is the evil fishing game. That's true. Yeah, and that's about it. That's why when I looked at it, I was going to pick Dredge for both of the categories. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know who could win this one. I think I want Dredge to win because I think I, I have liked that the most. But I think I think any of these, except for maybe Viewfinder, I would be happy with seeing win because they've all got like something very, very unique about them. Like, even in just their visual flair. Yeah. Like, Dave the Diver has very charming pixel art that, like, comes with really cool little animations of making sushi. And it's got, like, a, it's a it's a restaurant management sim, but it's also an exploration roguelike while you're gathering resources so that you have ingredients for the restaurant sim. Uh, Dredge is just a very cool little fishing simulator with a with a, a more than small eldritch twist to it. Sea of Stars is a beautiful send up of SNES era JRPGs like Chrono Trigger. Um, Viewfinder is kind of just a cool puzzle game where it's doing a thing with perspective. And uh, I haven't actually played Cocoon yet. I'm very fucking excited for Cocoon because like the world inside of a world inside of a world thing looks very cool. Plus it's from Annapurna, which is my go to like artsy indie game company. Uh, I man, I love all these games. I got nothing to say about any of them because I don't know shit. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to go to Dredge, but I feel like Dave the Diver had a lot of momentum behind it. Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot about I it. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to say Dredge. I want Dredge to win. Um, but then similarly, the best debut indie game, we still have Cocoon, Dredge and Viewfinder. But then we also have Venba and Pizza Tower. And for this one, I think it's going to go to Pizza Tower. I can't believe that's the name of a game. <laughs> Pizza Tower is, uh, did you ever play like on the Game Boy Advance, the, the Wario World series? I think so. Well, it's that. Pizza Tower is Wario World. Uh, interesting. But it's about a chef and you're fighting pizza ingredients. It's a, it's a big speed running game. You know, it's one of those games where, like, you have the option to turn on the timer to see how fast you're playing the game. It's a 2D side scroller, but it's all about momentum and keeping up speed and uh, plays like Wario World. It's a very cool game and had a lot of hype. And I think that it is a shoe in for debut indie. Huh. Interesting. Uh, we're going to skip best mobile game. We're going to skip VR AR game. And uh, let's start looking at some categories. Probably just run down these a little bit fast. Best action game, Armored Core 6, Dead Island 2. Forgot that game came out. Ghost Runner 2, Hi-Fi Rush, and Remnant 2. I think it's Remnant 2. I agree. Uh, the only thing I feel like that might compete with it is Armored Core, but that game is way more niche than Remnant, and I think it's Remnant. Yeah, I think Remnant 2 has too much hype going for it. It's got a much bigger player game, player base. And as much as I love Armored Core 6, I think Remnant 2 made a much bigger splash. Yeah. 
best action adventure, Alan Wake 2, Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Jedi Survivor, and Tears of the Kingdom. Now this category is fucking stacked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to, I mean, I think it's Zelda and Alan Wake. And I think it's going to go to Zelda. I, I just, I'm going to be shocked if Zelda loses a category <laughs> that, that it's in. Yeah, personally, I always like to see once you get out of the, the big categories, once you break it down to genre, that's what I want to stop seeing the big guy win. So I would I would really rather this go to anybody but Zelda. But I agree. If we're just basing it purely on pedigree, I think it's it's kind of got to be still. It's going to be funny if like I play like the first few hours of Alan Wake and go, Chris, shut up. This game is insanely good. <laughs> it should win everything. It's possible. Um, best RPG, Baldur's Gate 3. Final Fantasy 16, Lies of Peace, Sea of Stars, and Starfield Bro. absent from the Game of the Year category. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Okay, when do we come back to the biggest snub from Game of the Year and basically any other category because it hasn't shown up yet? Have you seen the online bullshit controversy about the Harry Potter game not getting nominated? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a snub? Did they get snubbed? Um, do I care? Some people online are very mad about it see okay so i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast before quick tangent me me and some other friends we have a video game fantasy league where we draft games and we gain points based on review scores i had no faith in that harry potter game i thought it was gonna be bad i thought it was gonna be poorly put together and i thought nobody gave a shit about harry potter enough anymore to have a successful video game i was wrong i lost points counterpicking that game but to my credit, nobody fucking talks about that game. That's nobody- Even the people the people I knew that played it and liked it, none of them talked about that game a week after it came That's out. That's because they never beat it. Nobody beat the game, <laughs> I don't think. I'm, I'm convinced no one beat it. They played it and was like, oh, this is fun. And then was like, oh, the charm wore off and the game got super repetitive. Like, I'm not saying it was bad. It was fine. It was a fine game. But like people people trying to be like, oh, oh, it's not nominated for like game of the year. I'm like, that's because there were some just so many great games that came out this year. Mm-hmm. Granted, we've seen a lot of the same ones nominated here, but that's because it was so tight at the top that there as as much as there was a bunch of good stuff. There wasn't like we're seeing it now more in the categories, a little bit better representation. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, But going back to this category, if I mean, if Baldur's Gate doesn't win this, what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) Like, I I just don't understand. (laughs) Again, this is the category where I would much rather see something like Lies of P get the spotlight. But man, what a bad time for Lies of P to come out. Yeah. Or just from an award standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably Baldur's Gate. I agree. Um, but now we're going to mix it up a little bit. Best fighting game. Uh, God of Rock, Mortal Kombat 1, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2, Pocket Bravery, and Street Fighter 6. Um, I think this is also a two-horse race. I think it's more one. I think it's just going to be Street Fighter 6. I do think that's more likely. I'm also going to say it's Street Fighter 6. But, I mean, you know, Mortal Kombat earned its spot there. Oh, I thought you were definitely going to back Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2. <laughs> I mean, look, they got they got uh, fucking XJ9 in there, right? Even if Nickelodeon doesn't give a fuck about its history and pedigree, like, they at least know when to trot out the well-known characters for the cash grab. Remember when I bought that game and tried to convince anyone else to buy it, and then they didn't, so I refunded it? 
I do. I do remember. It was kind of fun, mostly because I just played as Nigel <laughs> Thornberry, and it was funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> but but now they got Garfield in the game. I I guess he's a Warner Brothers asset. <laughs> he's not really yeah. Nickelodeon, I don't think. But whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Probably going to Street Fighter. I kind of don't care about any of the rest of these bests until we get to multiplayer. Which also I kind of agree. Which is also nuts because there's not a shooter nominated in the best multiplayer category for the first time in like for fucking ever that I can I can remember. Wow. Uh, okay, I do want to make a quick pit stop, and I, I just want to talk about best family game, uh, just because. So some Disney game, Party Animals, Pikmin Four, Sonic Superstars, and Super Mario Wonder. It's pretty solid. Yeah, I. I, I haven't played any of those games yet. I mean, I've played Mario Wonder. I, I'm like halfway through Mario Wonder. I don't intend to play Sonic Superstars for a while, probably. I love the Pikmin franchise. And I just want to you know, shout out those three probably really cool games. Go play those games. It's probably going to go to Mario Wonder. Yeah, I feel like I've heard more about it that I, I didn't. I don't remember hearing that much about Pikmin, although it's going to be good because it's a Pikmin game. So, mm hmm. All right, so then, yeah, best multiplayer. Weird. It's a weird slate for best multiplayer this year. It's like, uh, it's almost all co-op stuff. Yeah, it is. So, Except for Street Fighter. Yeah. So, Baldur's Gate 3, Diablo 4, Party Animals once again, Street Fighter 6, and Mario Wonder. Baldur's Gate being nominated for best multiplayer, I get it. That's a weird one to me. Well, I'm our, one of our co-workers is playing Baldur's Gate in a group, and... Just hearing him talk about it, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. People who play it, party up at in it, just have a, an incredible time. And so I, I get it being here. But I'm... For for as long of a game as Baldur's Gate 3 is, for as invested as you have to be in any singular session, I can't imagine getting three other adults together to play <laughs> in any decent amount of time to make progress. Well, they kinda, I think they kind of do it like they're playing D&D. It's like their D&D night, but they're playing Baldur's Gate instead. Fair. That's that's a good point. Yeah, you really got to schedule that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'll 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 say it. I'll, I'll be bold. I will put my support behind party animals. Fuck it. Hmm. I'm actually going to say Diablo four on this. Oh, you bungee or not bungee. You uh, blizzard whore. <laughs> um, although I recognize that Diablo is kind of a weird one. I've got a couple friends that are big on Diablo. And when Diablo launched, they were singing praises as if it was a masterpiece. And then Blizzard released a patch that fucked up all the balancing for leveling and it made it an awful experience and everybody dropped it. But since then, kind of recently, they dropped another patch where they fixed a bunch of stuff and suddenly everyone's playing Diablo 4 again. Hmm. Everyone I've talked to that plays Diablo 4 says it's delightful. So I'm just going to I'm throwing I'm throwing a, a dart at the board here. Interesting. Okay, so then we've got uh, best adaptation is always oh. funny because it's like a it's a non video game media award. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, Castlevania Nocturne, Gran Turismo, The Last of Us, the Super Mario Brothers movie, and the Twisted Metal series. I mean, it's got to be The Last of Us, but like that's a pretty stacked category. <laughs> yeah, I don't honestly know. Um. I think the Mario Brothers movie has a pretty good shot. Shut the fuck up. I, th I think it does. Stop talking to me. I think it does. I liked it. I liked it a lot. My my thing with The Last of Us is just that, like, 
it, it was a very good series, but the ending, which I mean, is pro- probably, you know, this is probably something we're going to touch on later also. But like the ending for the series felt very rushed. It felt like they didn't exactly stick it and it didn't leave me wanting more. It left me unfulfilled, which is not something I can say about the Mario movie or Castlevania Nocturne. Interesting. Very. I still haven't watched Castlevania. I'm a bad person. <laughs> it's good. I think a later season of Castlevania, I would be more ready to say I want that one to win. But in, in this situation, I think I'm going to go a Mario movie. Wow. I can't believe yeah. you've done this. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to call that shot. Um, OK, I'm going to skip over like all the esports categories. What? Also, most anticipated <laughs> game, bro? Yeah. Like, no, you know, we'll stop. We'll stop with best anticipated for sure. Um, uh, wait. We don't have Elden Ring or Zelda to be an easy pick for this one this oh, year. Oh, this is easy. It's Hades 2, bro. I agree. It's, it's probably Hades 2. Cl- it's not even fucking close. Fuck Final <laughs> Fantasy 7 Rebirth. Fuck that. Get out of here. Star Wars Outlaws. <laughs> is that even coming out? It's a Star Wars game. Nobody knows. It's Hades 2, bro. And it's not even close. Yeah. And then also we've got Tekken 8 and the next uh, Like a Dragon, formerly known as Yakuza game. Are they? Which I think is a spinoff. I was going to say, are they not calling them Yakuza anymore? Or is that just. No. Nah. Much like much like Resident Evil was rebranded once Resi 7 came out. Uh, the franchise has just been changed across the world to be Like a Dragon. Huh. You know, I hadn't looked at the best esport game category. And, you know, you have your usual suspects. So you got Counter-Strike 2, Dota 2, League of Legends, Valorant. But PUBG Mobile. Specifically mobile. Wild that no one's playing regular PUBG anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. Um, I don't think it's going to be Counter-Strike. I think people kind of across the board hate Counter-Strike 2. It's going to probably be League of Legends or Valorant. Mm-hmm. I would bet probably Valorant. But I don't know. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I genuinely don't know either. I, uh, League of Legends is definitely more at the forefront of like the public thought because Riot in the past couple of years is going hard on diversifying the League of Legends brand. You know, with animes and fighting games and mobile games. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm even going to weigh in on that one. I feel like, I, I'll just get behind you. It's Valorant. I feel like the winner of that one then determines best eSport event since like three of them are game specific for League of Legends, Valorant, and Dota 2. Uh, I always pick Evo because I love the fighting game one, but mm-hmm. I don't even know what Blast.TV Paris Major 2023 is. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? I don't know. I, I'm actually a stupid baby and need you to tell me what game it's for. I, I can't. Um, I don't know either. So, I mean, that uh, yeah, the rest of the esports ones, like, who cares? I don't fucking care. I, I don't yeah, care. Best athlete, best team, best coach. I don't I don't know any of those guys. Let me look at best team. The Cloud9? They got they Cloud9 got in there? They Valorants. Don't. All I know is what's the U.S. League of Legends team? Liquid. I think it's Liquid, maybe. I don't know. They're not on here, so I don't care. <laughs> Athlete. Oh, there you go. Team Vitality. They use the same image for the the Paris tournament. It's a Counter Strike tournament. I bet Faker wins uh, for best athlete. 
I think in the future, whenever we do shows like this, I got to have different people ready to jump on the call to weigh in. Because <laughs> I, I know a guy. I know a guy that could weigh in on this. On the athlete? I think so. Shut up. Who? Uh, I think I think covert. Stop. I think maybe. But I think that'll that'll wrap us on the game awards. We we will do um we'll do a postmortem on this after the game awards. We'll come back, we'll talk about it, we'll talk about the winners and the losers, we'll talk about the snubs, the fact that uh Starfield only got nominated for one category, which I have no horse in that race, but I do find it hilarious. Most importantly though, we'll be just nutting over whatever we see from whatever new we see from Hades 2. So, yeah. That's the most important thing. Uh, I'm also thing. I'm hoping that the uh the finals is going to have a surprise drop at the game awards. Ooh. Because that that game has a lot of very sudden hype behind it after the last open beta and they're still shooting for a release this year and they have confirmed that they are still shooting for that, but they're not giving any specific release date. So I think talking about it now at the Game Awards and being and you can play it today at Jeff Keighley's The Game Awards. Yeah, be pretty hype. Jeff Keighley puts his whole dick on the table like once this is over, go play it. (laughs) Yeah. And and also, uh, (laughs) Jeff Keighley, the man himself has put the Game Awards in Fortnite. Yeah, you can can watch the Game Awards live from Fortnite. (laughs) Yeah, that's 2023. Um, So do you want to I know we said we'd shift it. Attack on Titan stuff after the Game Awards. Do you want to instead just do the Bungie, more of the Bungie stuff since we're still on a video game kick? Yeah, we can. Um, I don't, I mean, granted, I don't honestly know if I have too much more to say than I already said in the category. But yeah, I mean, if if you're if you're not fully aware, um, you know, for reasons that we will probably never truly know, but that we can infer upon. Uh, Bungie in the last couple of weeks laid off almost 10% of their staff in the wake of a PlayStation acquisition deal after Bungie said that that deal would not affect anybody that they're employing. Um, I think that this is just sort of it's not it's not an isolated Bungie issue because a lot of like even specifically video game companies have been laying off a lot of people this year. I think part of that has to do with the like middle of COVID scramble to hire a bunch of people, to hire a bunch of remote people, to hire a bunch of contractors, and they can't keep up. And now they got to downsize. But it's not a good look for Bungie when you're so close to releasing your like the big expansion, Destiny's Endgame, and then you lay off your community managers and you lay off your main composer. And people have been there since day one of Bungie. Like a yeah, lot of like people have been there for over 20 Destiny. years. Yeah. Uh, like like from it, was Marathon. Already, it was already a it was already a big deal when they like switched to Destiny and they got rid of Marty O'Donnell immediately. But then like to lay off Salvatore is just weird. Like I think any any Halo fan can tell you that the music of that game was as intrinsic as the gameplay itself for making some of the most exciting and most enjoyable shooter campaigns that you could play. Yeah. Like, certainly more impactful than, uh, me personally, any Call of Duty game you could play. Uh, even better than, like, 
Gears of War, something that is built for the narrative, even better for uh, a shooter that I really enjoy. Titanfall 2's campaign. I still think Halo games are way better and have always had way better music. And, uh, you know, you can't point to a single late 20s white man and start doing the monk chant from the main (laughs) menu of Halo 3 and they're not going to join in. Yeah, it's just not possible. So it sucks. And, and and again, I really like Destiny. I played Destiny for a long time. I was all in on Destiny to the point that like I was thinking about getting a Destiny tattoo. I was so in on Destiny. Oof, glad you didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, I sure am. Well, like I don't don't get tattoos, kids. Kind of kind of to what you said. I I think we actually know a little more and I know there's a lot of reporting out there and I don't know how much of it ended up being 100% accurate, but I think we know a pretty good reason why they laid people off and it was very kind of disgustingly monetarily monetary monetary reasons because the way they did it too just makes it seem like they did it to save money and to almost as a stock buyback kind of deal which is even more disgusting in my opinion but uh yeah on the whole it's not been a very good look for the games industry when they're coming off one of the most like profitable years in gaming history and loads of uh companies are laying off people when they've just made some of the most money they've ever made in the history of games so yeah it's not a great look for the industry as a whole and it's kind of sad to see having all these really great games come out and then all these layoffs also happen at the same time which is a conversation that i expect to be brought up at the game awards in some way I, I doubt they're going to say anything controversial. I doubt Jeff is going to take a stand on it one way or another, but it would be weird to me if it wasn't addressed in some way. In memoriam. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really sad. Probably poor taste. So I hope they don't do that. Not if they did it for Embracer Group. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's warranted. fair. <laughs> well, okay, we shift in. Do we do a quick a, a few minutes on the end of an era in anime? Yeah, yeah, it's time for you to talk. Yeah, so Attack on Titan, the anime, the final season, part three, the final chapters, <laughs> or whatever the <laughs> fuck it was called, <laughs> finally ended. Was it last Saturday? I think it was two Saturdays ago. I think it might have been two weeks ago at this point. Yeah, sure, man. I think it was the fourth, um, and it's. It's the end of an era. Uh, I I know, you know, anime talk isn't for everybody, but it's just very interesting when you get to the end of something that was uh, such a goliath in the space of both, mostly anime. Um, I felt like it's one of those that a lot of people didn't jump over to the manga for. They just stuck with the anime and anime only did, even though it was so popular. Um, I know I've talked with, you know, Chris a little bit, one of our friends, James, about it some. And <laughs> Chris, Chris had mentioned, oh, I hope you can explain some of the stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know. The, the manga ended uh, two and a half years ago. So uh, <laughs> it's been a long time since I have uh, consumed Attack on Titan in a uh, consistent, regular interval. Um, and it's just very... It's kind of bittersweet that it's over. Uh, it was drawn out like fucking crazy, which I think is just fucking nuts. Um, but just some, I guess, overall thoughts. I thought it, 
uh, Gigguk put out a very good video just talking about it being over. And I kind of agree with him where like it, it stuck the landing. It didn't do the ending didn't do anything absolutely phenomenal or groundbreaking or genre defying defining in the in the ending, but it it didn't um oh what was what's the show that I always talk about that the ending was fucking terrible that had a really weird title. Um shit. Fuck. Yeah. I can't remember it. Uh I'll try to find it. But you know, it didn't just fuck everything at the end. It 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 was it was an ending and it didn't destroy it. And I think that alone uh, is pretty good. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit way back when on our Beastars episode about how neither one of us, I think, was that crazy about how the series went into the ending. But it was still just like, OK, yeah, you know, it's an ending. Um, it wasn't crazy good but it wasn't awful um and when you have shows like like this with attack on titan just being able to not put a bad taste in your mouth i think is very important when the journey that you've been on through the whole thing up until that point was just fucking phenomenal uh i'll say i say it all the time and i will continue to say it you know endings are fucking hard and most people don't do them well. So whenever you just have one where you're like, oh yeah, that was fine. Um, I think, I think that's enough. Um, I, I, Chris, I'm curious from your perspective though, cause you, you haven't read any of the manga. You just watched it. What were your overall thoughts of how it ended? I agree. Endings are hard and I'm willing to admit that I might be a super picky bitch about endings. <laughs> Um, and you know, I did like it. Uh, I, I, have seen this thought echoed online where like manga readers after reading the manga were like really mad about the ending. Yeah, they were like really, really <laughs> mad about the ending. And since the anime came out, as far as I know, the anime didn't change anything about the ending, but people are a lot more accepting about it. And no one's really upset with the Attack on Titan ending. Um, And I kind of, you know, I agree with that. Uh, It did some cool things. It did some things that I really liked. I did also feel like the pacing for it was a little strange. Yeah. And I might feel better about that if the specials came out closer together or if I had watched them closer together. Because my main thing was and and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to talk about the ending here. We're going to go full spoilers a little bit. So if you haven't watched it yet, don't listen to the rest of this episode and come back later. But so this is weird to say for a movie that was basically one giant fight, but the end of that fight still felt kind of rushed. We're like, I mean, a, I expected to be more tragic. I expected literally anybody to die besides Aaron. Well, technically everybody did kind of die except for, the Titan, the people who could transform into Titans, Mikasa and Levi. Everyone else did technically die. Uh, technically, when they got turned into Titans. But then they kill Eren, and that takes away all the Titan abilities, so they're back to being people. Yeah, which felt like a little bit of a cop Also, I don't remember that in the manga. I thought everyone was dead. Because I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck, everybody's dead. I, I thought... 
fucking Mikasa had to kill Connie in Titan form. I thought that happened, but maybe I just misremember it. I would have liked that a lot more. Because <laughs> um, as it stands, like, when it finally came down to it, like, I, I forget exactly how it played out, but it was basically like, Mikasa, you have to do it. And then she was like, oh, God, I have to do it. And then she just did it. Well, so yeah. Like, yeah. Like, once Mikasa was firmly for, like, okay, yes, I have to go kill Aaron. It was like it was 30 seconds between that realization and her killing Aaron. And that felt weird. Yeah, they, I don't think they did that very well in the in the anime. It it seemed like a little more fluid in the manga chapter that it happened in. Um, mostly because there wasn't that brief reprieve. I felt like when they went back on to the like uh, what the giant mountain um everything just kind of kept going so they kind of slowed that down and mikasa had kind of already come to the conclusion that she was gonna have to do it i think but that pole part i don't really like dwelling too much on that because it makes no fucking sense because like if you go back to the (laughs) if you go back to the conversation which i thought they didn't do very well when all of a sudden aaron and armin are having their conversation and aaron and mikasa are having their conversation they're like oh this happened for fucking ever ago and then aaron just erased the memory of this until he died that was very confusing and not done well, I don't think. But yes, he expo- like one of the things that Aaron explains to Armin is he's like, oh, yeah, it's just like the founder Emir chose Mikasa to be the one to end the circle of this. And Armin goes, why? And <laughs> Aaron's fucking answer is no one knows but her. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, yeah. you, you can't do that. In the finale, like, cool. we as the audience don't get to. Yeah, know. it's like who knows? She just like when I mean, they're also like, and I think Gigak talked about this. Is like she, she's the founder Emir, like stayed with her uh, quote husband or lover or whatever, her slave own like who enslaved her owner of the king because she loved him that much. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy. That's stupid. Uh, so that little bit, I kind of like whatever. It just wasn't done very well. It's fine. Um, I don't know if you saw this and I pull if this is accurate. I think I saw a uh, some sort of social media post of someone asked the creator, you know, um, wh- why did it end the way it did? And he kind of talks about how like when he went into when he was first making it, like he had no idea if you know how most manga writers are. You have no idea if you're going how long you're going to be able to keep making it until it gets canceled. Um, but he still was writing it with you know one whole story arc. like he had the whole story basically mapped out but then once it got successful he kind of wanted to change some stuff about the ending but it was like he was so far into it that it was like i kind of i i'm just gonna stick to what i originally wanted to do which makes a lot of sense as to why some of the stuff is just kind of like what the fuck is going on because it's probably like you know it would be like if oda after the fucking East Blue arc, knew exactly how everything else was happening after chapter 300. And then he stuck to it. He didn't like alter it at all. It probably wouldn't make a lot of sense. Um, not to say this is the exact same thing, because obviously way more chapters compared to what Attack on Titan was. But that, that I think that kind of uh, him not wanting to deviate from his original plan definitely shows and kind of how some stuff just doesn't get wrapped up very well. Um, yeah. And and to the to the point of like the founder of Mir loving her her uh, her literal slave owner. King Fritz. I 
I do think that in a different show, in a different story, there is something interesting to explore there. There is something deeply tragic about that Mm -hmm. that feeds in largely to the narrative tropes and themes that Attack on Titan is trying to, you know, talk about. But they don't explore that. So it's hard to say if they meant that. (laughs) Yeah. Which is similar to, you know, once everything is wrapped up, the epilogue, more or less, you see the development of all of mankind into the far future. And it's meant to illustrate the futility of war and how there will always be war and we will always be killing each other. And something like that big, like that, uh, that macro level sort of human condition exploration I enjoy that. But again, it wasn't really the point. It was just something they showed at the end. It wasn't something they dwelled on. Well, unlike something like Fire Punch, where it does that a lot more at the forefront. Yeah, but I think I see. That's why I want to rewatch it, because I feel like knowing that you will pick up on a lot more of that being kind of hinted at because they do make a lot more. They do like in the final explanation talk with Armin and Aaron. He talks about that a lot of like, you know. This was like, I, this is what was going to happen. Like, if I didn't do this, you know, it was just going to keep the cycle was just going to continue. And I, it, I understood it essentially as Aaron did what he did so that he could at least let his friends live out their lives before the cycle inevitably starts over again, which is essentially what mm. happens. Also, I don't I didn't realize this till I saw it on a post, but um you know what's really fucking amazing about the title of the first episode is how accurate it is to how this series ends in that last sequence where the boy walks mm, into the tree yeah. and the first episode is to you 2000 years in the future. And you're just like, oh, my God, he literally <laughs> played it all from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, it is very cool. Uh, one thing that I unequivocally love about like, you know, essentially the last massive arc of Attack on Titan is just how fucked up Levi gets. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, man goes through it. He, he by all <laughs> metrics, should not be alive. <laughs> yeah. A- aside from actually dying, dude hasn't the worst off of anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But at least he gets to live out his days in a wheelchair handing out toys to children. And candy. <laughs> candy santa leva i don't i don't know how i've comprehend or fully like thought through my feelings of how they make me like gabby at the end of it when i (laughs) fucking hated that bitch for killing sasha like Mm -hmm. uh but then oh god there's so much there's so much world war ii symbolism with i can't remember the island people and their armbands it's just like oh jesus christ at the especially at the end when it's like oh you're free but look we can see the worn part on their shirts they're not us and they're still trying to kill each other and i'm like hey motherfuckers there are giant ass titans coming for you and you're still (laughs) just trying to kill each other stop it but yeah all in all i'm definitely gonna rewatch it especially because it's you know only like 66 episodes in its entirety which is crazy it seems like it's way more than that since it's been going on for a decade but yeah, uh, to kind of wrap up a little bit, I just I I do want to touch on just how I mean, this is we, we've talked about it before, how this show is essentially what got me into anime, more specifically the the Team Four Star abridged episode they did of it and me getting to the end of that episode being like, there's no way this show just ended with the guy getting eaten. That's fucking crazy. And then I found it and 
slowly turned into my absolute obsession where I can't stop. But I think it's safe to say that if it's not, if Attack on Titan is not the m- most influential show of the 21st century, it's m- certainly top three. Um, I feel like a uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood's probably up there, and then what? Maybe the uh, I don't even know Hunt, the Hunter Hunter 2011 up there. I I just what what is controlled the zeitgeist as much as what attack on titan has i i because i full metal alchemist brotherhood is hailed as an amazing show but like i don't know it didn't as gigak points out in his video like if you weren't going if you weren't at conventions during the 2010s and seeing everyone showing up in their uh scout regiment cosplays like i don't think anyone any, any one show has done that in the 21st century yeah i agree so um, I had I had a thought and now I have lost it. I found it. OK, so something that is very interesting to me is like the convergence of ideas, like how two different people, two different studios, two different countries even can come together and do kind of the same thing at the same time without intending to ape off of each other. Mm. Like, I think uh, a bug's life and ants is the same thing as far (laughs) as i know nobody was trying to steal anything from anybody but dreamworks and pixar just both happened to be working on ant movies at the same time um and like kind of dealing with similar themes but in very different ways and attack on titan gained popularity in sort of the same cultural moment that game of thrones was and and it sort of birthed in the culture that idea of telling a story where like the entire allure, the thing that you tell your friends about is nobody is safe. Any main character can die at any point in time. It was like it was that and Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead. And then I'm, I'm sure a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and it's kind of similar right now. Uh, we're like we're or at least we were in a moment of animated hyper violence with Invincible, Legend of Vox Machina, uh, Castlevania. And then, you know, anything Trigger puts out lately, like um, in particular, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Uh, it, it, it's a cool thing to me. I don't know. Is that is that something you ever think about? Not really, but I, I understand the thought, which is an interesting. I just like. Uh, I guess if you point it out, I would think about it, but I'm never just innately wondering about that, which is kind of interesting. I do think it yeah. to your point about, you know, like with attack on Titan and like, Oh, you never know who's going to live. And then you look at the end of it and go only really one main character died at any point in time. <laughs> like some other important characters died, but they were never the main characters from season one. Like right. Sasha's the only one that dies. That's it. Nobody else. They all make it to the end. That core group of those kids all make it. I guess Bertolt, depending on how you would, you know, classify him, but he was never in it that much. But yeah, it's a Hanji will always be main character in my heart. Yeah, like she. It depends. Like if it's some of the scout, older scout people could go in and out. But yeah, but of that group of cadets that are essentially who we follow in season one. After that first uh, battle where half of them die, no one else except for uh, Sasha really dies. Yeah, you're right. Unless you count Amir, but, you know, she kind of just showed up in an episode and then you're like, I guess you're <laughs> going to make us care about her now. 
right <laughs> and for like three episodes and then she's like yeah i'll I'll, kill, I'll let you eat me and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> okay well i think we will wrap there yeah oh one last thing um i have no i, I have no way of ranking attack on titan as a 10 on, 10 out of 10 on my anime list because it's broken out into seasons and it will hurt me for the rest of my days because i didn't think any one individual season of the show was a 10 out of 10 so they're all at nines on my my anime list and i, I kind of hate that but i don't know i don't know what to do hell that's pretty funny because the show on a whole i think is a 10 out of 10 the animation's great and the story is incredible uh there are flaws but you know what show doesn't have some correct well, you know, check back in with us in a few weeks. Maybe we'll have a new episode. Until then, follow us on Twitter at Obsession underscore pod. And, uh, you know, we'll come back. I'll try to put out another game diary at some point. Talk about what I'm playing. Talk about what I'm getting up into. I'm starting to get into Warhammer. Oh, God. There's a lot of Warhammer books now. Goodbye, Chris. Uh, <laughs> get, get ready for that. Um, but otherwise, we'll definitely be back after the Game Awards if nothing else. We'll talk about that a little bit more. And, uh, you know, we'll see you then. Sick. So, uh, bye, Hayden. Bye.